Welcome to the Primitive Podcast. My name is Annie Gilbert. I'm the Chief of Staff at Primitive and guest hosting on the podcast this week. This week, we had guest Philip Burns, who's a Chief of Staff at Proxy, and he shared with us his expertise on the role and the importance of this role at any organization. One of the things that he shared that stood out most to me was talking about the title Chief of Staff. We talked about servant leadership and lifting others up in this role. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and thanks for listening. You just have to make time to care for yourself because if you don't make time, you will not do it. This is the tough versus tender, right? This may sound tough, but like you have time, even if it's 15 minutes, 10 minutes before you check your email or, you know, Slack or you start X, Y, and Z. If you just want to take 10 minutes to breathe and to, you know, if you're religious, spiritual, pray, you know, just something that can pull you out of the demands of the present that can give you perspective on what's most important, I think is like crucial. We are welcoming Phil Burns to the podcast today. And Phil is a chief of staff at Proxy. And so we want to learn from him about just his journey and his perspective of the chief of staff role. So Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Primitive Podcast. Thanks so much, Annie. It's such an honor to be here and hang out and talk about the Chief of Staff role. It's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to hear your perspective and um, just share with our listeners um, maybe how they could learn how to create this role in their companies, um, or maybe for potential chiefs of staff who are looking for a role similar to this. Um, It's been helpful to people in the past to have different chiefs of staff on the podcast and and learn from them. So we're excited to hear from you. I know you have some great experience in this field. And so um, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself? I'd love to do that. Um, I've I'm a native Atlantan. I was born, raised, and still live here. Haven't left the nest, so to speak. Um, I'm happily married to my wife, Ashlyn. We've been married three years, going on four years this, yeah, this March. Can't remember, can't forget my anniversary. Uh, and we are brand new parents to Eloise Ruth Burns. She is eight months old. Um, so that's just some personal facts about me. Uh, um, actually, let me add some more personal facts. Just to tickle your listeners ears. Um, My background is actually predominantly in music. I spent a lot of my youth um, formally trained in saxophone and then I taught myself how to play drums, um, was in a few bands and uh, music's just a big part of my life. Even, even, it even helps me as a chief of staff as weird as that sounds um, in terms of like helping my imagination um, because that's really important to the role. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I originally went to college to be a pastor, actually. I actually wanted to be a theology professor and a pastor. Um, and you know how life can take you in different, different journeys. And so um, I'm currently working, fast forward almost 10 years now since I started college, I'm getting my MBA at University of Georgia right now because I really feel like um, I can have the most impact as a leader in the business world. And so I, yeah, I'm... I am been in the chief of staff role f- formally, I guess, with the title for four years now, 
Um, but I've been working with senior leaders for most, most all my career. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm intimately acquainted with the, both the pressures, the stressors and the opportunities that exist at the senior leadership level. Um, and I just have a passion for helping leaders lead the way they want to. And I think at the end of the day, that's the value of the chief of staff role. It's your enabling the executive or the principal that you're serving to lead they, the way they want to, the way they dream of, so that their companies can grow in a healthy way and have the impact that they want to have on the world. And so um, I, I transitioned into the chief of staff role in my previous employer, Richmond Graduate University. It's a small um, small but mighty graduate school for people who want to be clinical mental health professionals, counselors. It's actually where I met my wife. Um, so that Richmond means a lot to me for a lot of different reasons. Um, but the president that I worked for there um, saw I was his direct admin support for about eight months when he became president. And before he came, I had, I kind of helped hold the organization together through two presidential transitions within about a two year period. Um, and, and it was through that process, through him learning about, you know, the impact and value that I was bringing to Richmond um, before he got there. And then the immediate value that I was bringing to him as his direct support for about eight months, he's like, you know what, Phil, I want you to be my chief of staff. Now, what's cool about this story is I was wanting to be a chief of staff before we even talked about it. Um, and I remember going to him and saying, you know what, I feel like I'm underutilized. I feel like I have more horsepower to offer Richmond and, um, and you to help, you know, you and the, the strategic direction and vision you have for Richmond. Little did I know that he was thinking the same thing. So when we actually sat down to talk about my role at Richmond, he beat me to the punch. He's like, I really believe in your potential. I think you've added a lot of value to Richmond and, and you've really helped keep things together and keep things running well. What would you say about being my chief of staff? And I was like, what? I've literally been thinking about this, you know, for several months and, and at just a month after that conversation, um, I officially became his chief of staff and um, I was his chief of staff for three years. And then I recently transitioned over to proxy to, to see how this role can work in a different capacity with a different business model, but still delivering the same value for executives. And so, so yeah. That's awesome. And I, I want to dig into that a little bit more um, in just a few minutes, but um, I'm learning so much about you, your background, your musical background. I had no idea. That's awesome. Um, and I love what you said about how it helps you in the role, because that's what I've found as I've shared my journey with people and connected with people who are seeking a role like this or interested in learning more um, because my background is in education and counseling, I get asked the question, like, is that, do you feel like that's necessary to go into this role? And I say, absolutely not. I think whatever someone's background, it can be applied and it can be useful um, in a different way. Um, and we all have unique personalities and unique strengths that, that we bring to whatever role we're in. So um, I love that. And I can't wait to hear more about how that helps you in the role. Um, so you said something that I want to kind of key in on a little bit um, about feeling like you were 
underutilized and that you had more to offer. Because again, that's something that I hear pretty often from people who are looking for more and and trying to figure out how they can best apply their natural strengths and abilities and maybe relational skills and administrative and and all of those areas. Um, And so I just, I hope that's an encouragement if there's someone listening who is wanting to learn more about the chief of staff role and maybe how to find the right fit for them, um, you know, that that may be feeling that way, like you explained. Um, and I, I love the story, too, about how it worked out, that you were feeling that and you were thinking about that type of role. And then before you even brought it up, um, you know, that was that was an opportunity that was presented to you. Um, my, my story is a little bit similar to that as well. It was something that I thought about, you know, for the future. And then all of a sudden it, it was, the opportunity was there and, um, took me a moment to even recognize that that's what it was that I had been waiting for. Well, you know, it's interesting about when I'm thinking about my, my inner journey as I was considering, you know, the chief of staff role, I think it's worth noting that um, a few things. Um, we may be jumping ahead, so if you want to steer us back on track, I'm, that's fine. Um, when when I said that I was wanting more, I mean, the kinds of things that I was doing in the president's office were very tactically focused, like task-oriented, like immediate horizon, like, oh, this thing needs to get on his calendar, or he needs me to review this document or proposal, or, you know, um, And I found, this is helpful, if you find that you can do that kind of stuff in your sleep, like you don't have to try very hard, that's probably an indication that you have untapped potential. Um, Because I think there's a difference between challenge stressors in your job or in your life versus hindrance stressors. So hindrance stressors are usually like environmental conditions that that, that, uh, stifle growth and opportunity versus challenge stressors are things that come your way that that force you to grow that that force you to develop and and become a better version of yourself and so i was in a place where i needed more and the organization needed more and so it, it was the perfect kind of um match between what i wanted and needed and what the president and the larger organization needed for that season of time. And so I think I would encourage folks that are considering this role or, you know, that feel like they're underutilized in their companies. Um, first, take stock of the kinds of things that you would enjoy doing that would that would be stretching for you. Don't aim for low-hanging fruit. Uh, as easy as that is, the chief staff role is not a low-hanging fruit job. Um, if anything, it's the chop down, chop down trees, grow, you know, climb mountains kind of a job. It feels that way day in, day out. And so, um, and so I'm kind of going all over the place here with, with that thought process. But, and the second thing that to, to think about and plan for is you need to have a conversation with your principal or whoever your direct supervisor is about the fact that you feel underutilized. Um, you may think that would be, that'll be, they may find that threatening. I actually, if they're a good manager, like if they're a healthy leader and they want to maximize the people that they're leading, 
they that will excite them because that will show them that you're committed to your organization, to the vision, to the mission. Um, and yeah, and that you want to grow. And so um, I think if you're feeling underutilized and you, you know, you really want to have that conversation, then you do it. Um, and the chief staff role may not be the next step for you. Um, but uh, it, I think it is the next step for someone who wants to enable their leaders to lead the way they want to lead. Um, because the chief staff role doesn't exist apart from lead, the leader that the role is serving. Um, I shared this with a colleague yesterday that the chief of staff role can very much be turned into you're putting out fires in the organization while your executive's house is burning down. So it's very important to stay executive oriented in the role um, because it's just far too easy to look for problems to solve beyond your executive. And, that, and you'll have opportunity to do that, but it's, um, it's, it's all about helping leaders lead. So anyway. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that addition. Um, and I think, you know, where you talked about how your position was more tactically focused and task oriented, what I've heard is um, a lot of times it's a really natural transition from an executive assistant type position or role into a chief of staff role because it's almost like testing it out to see if that would be a good fit um, when that opportunity is there. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so what I've learned in, in talking to many different chiefs of staff at different organizations is that it does look a little bit different. And even through um, our roundtable call each month, you know, just talking from talking to so many people from all over the world, really, um, who have similar roles, that there are unique facets of that as well. And so can you kind of talk about your experience at Richmond and how you know, it compares and contrasts to your present position at Proxy and kind of what that looks like for those two different organizations. At Richmond, I was the first chief of staff Richmond ever had. And so in terms of putting on the, wearing the shoes, it's like, it's a brand new pair of shoes, right? No one had traversed or worn the shoes before. So um, that was both really exciting and, uh, really terrifying and anxiety producing because I didn't have a blueprint. Um, I didn't know really what to do. I just, I knew that I wanted more and that this role would offer me, you know, greater room to grow and to, to, you know, help my organization and the executive achieve its goals. But I didn't know what that looked like. And so for the first year, um, I was, I was like walking around a dark room blindly. Like I would read all these articles on the internet about what, you know, 10 people thought the chief of staff role was. And as helpful as that those resources were, um, to your point, Annie, you know, it looks so different. It, it, it takes on different manifestations depending on the needs of your executive, the size of the company, where the company is in its growth stage. If you're in a startup organization, like just work, the work you're doing looks different than a well-established um you know, more solid found organization with a more solid foundation, more stable. Um, but I will say this, there's a narrative in the chief of staff um, feel that there is no definitive like picture of the role. It just depends on X, Y, and Z. And I, I would actually challenge that. I think 
you could say that there's no definitive X for any role in a company. I think, I think what is definitive are the skills, right, that you need to do the role well. Um, so I kind of think of the role as like a portfolio of certain skills and whatever, and, and the needs of the executive and the organization kind of determine how that the certain aspects of the portfolio are kind of allocated. Um, but at Richmond, it was very much centered on um, driving strategic communications, um, the strategic the president, when he arrived, you know, he, he drafted with the help of um, various stakeholders, a strategic plan for the next three years, kind of creating a roadmap for like, you know, uh, quarterly benchmarks, goals, you know, adjusting the communication cadence around achieving those goals. So I was very much intertwined in like pulling, pulling all those pieces together. Um, you know, I took meeting minutes at at various meetings, I, I would I would help coordinate board meetings. Um, I, I didn't have a ton to do with, I guess, direct like email calendar management, more more calendar management than email management. But um, I definitely was more on the strategic project side of things at Richmond. Um, and and so I was I was chief of staff at Richmond for three years. Uh, I would say the first year was me just feeling my way around dark room, and then after the first year. Of me kind of like feeling things out do i actually want to do this job like because it was really hard at first like i just didn't i didn't know what to do and i will say to your point about um executive assistant or admins that being a natural transition while it's a natural transition i will say there is a there is a challenge in staying in the same company if you're if people know you as x and you become y that transition for the rest of the organization is difficult um, because you will find that people are coming to you to about things that would have been really appropriate to answer in your in the previous role, but they're still expecting you to do that. And so, again, being really clear, um, having a really clear picture and portrait of the, what does the chief of staff do, both for yourself, for the executive, and then for the organization, is is huge. Um, and I would say, I would imagine in other chiefs of staff that you've spoken to, that's, that's the challenge. It's like, they don't have a clear picture of what the role means. Their executive knows that it's valuable and they want it, right? And then, but even if you have, you have a clear idea and your executive does, whether that's communicated and reinforced across the organization, that's the other dimension that's really important for the role to be really effective. And so at Richmond, it was more traditional. I was serving one executive. Um, but the challenges that I, that I, was always confronted with is I was my team. So like I didn't have it's if there was a special project I needed to do or it, it was it was up to me to figure out how I would do it, you know, because we were a small organization, everyone that was already wearing a lot of hats, I couldn't really ask, you know, the vice president of administration or the you know vice president of finance to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. I, I had to absorb a lot of that um workload myself which made it very stressful uh to to on me and just ask my wife uh <laughs> so with proxy proxy is different it's unique so it's very much the so as the chief of staff at proxy i i'm still using the same core skill set and competencies but it's it's a team-based so um, our clients hire proxy 
for chief of staff services. But the difference is I have a team behind me that I can, that we all work together to deliver on client expectations, projects, that kind of thing. So, and that is liberating, honestly, um, to know that I'm, I, if I'm in a meeting with, with an executive that we're working with, and rather than me having to like figure out how in the world am I going to handle all this or get all this done, I have, I know that who my team members are and I know how to s- delegate um, certain projects or activities. Um, so it's distributed. It's a distributed workload model for the chief of staff versus an isolated kind of, I got to figure out how to do this all by myself. And so I think that makes proxy really unique. Um, and our, our core target, you know, you know, we're working with small to medium-sized businesses, like the CEOs or C-suite executives um, that are along usually about 500 employees or less that are navigating unique challenges based on whatever growth stage they're in um, for their business. So I'm working with um, some companies that are, they're startups. So they're, you know, only two years in, maybe less than that. And there are unique challenges there that I'm, I'm getting to navigate with them um, versus there, you know, another client I have is um, a little bit more established. And so, but the kinds of things that I'm doing is I'm helping businesses find um, business operating rhythms that, that unlock their business organization's potential in terms of communication, in terms of tracking goals and metrics and that, and um, as well as talent management. So business operating, I'm focused on business operating rhythms. Um, I'm also uh, um, helping companies expand their product, their product lines, um, which is really exciting. It's work that I've never, I never got to do at Richmond. Um, So I'm getting a more diverse uh, I'm getting a much more diverse experience as a chief of staff and working in different industries, which is really exciting. And so again, what makes Proxy unique is its team-based approach to the role. So rather than me, like I said a minute ago, trying to figure it all out on my own of how I'm going to execute X, Y, and Z, I have a team that's behind me that's um, that's helping keep helping deliver, you know, the chief of staff promise to our executives. So does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. It, it gives a lot of insight, I think, into the, the different ways it can look. Um, and it's really fascinating to me because I'm, I'm just not as familiar with something like proxy where, um, you know, you were talking about at Richmond being your, like you're the, your team, you're one person and, you know, you're really responsible for, for the role completely as a whole. And it's, it's a big role. Um, but having support and having a team where you can work together to uh, accomplish things, I think is is really a unique approach. Um, so yeah, that's great. It's really interesting. Um, can I can I offer one more comment just to, as yeah. a clarifying point? So what we I think our our differentiator at Proxy is. Because we're team-based, we can offer like Fortune 500 support for a fraction of a cost. So rather than a chief, like one person trying to figure out project management and calendar and email and strategic initiative, whatever, um, we there's a whole team that that we work together to make the chief of staff role uh, t- for the role to be applicable to whatever businesses we're working with and the growth stage that they're at. 
So <laughs> it's, we just have, we're able to deliver more horsepower for the role versus mm-hmm. just having one person. Uh, is that, that, I hope that's a, just a clarifying mm-hmm. point. Um, yes. Because it is what makes us unique. And um, so, yeah, and, and, but that's not to, to downplay like, you know, certain organizations, you know, choose to have like an in-house chief of staff. But I think another thing that that's limiting about that role, you know, when I was at Richmond is I'm not a third party. So, so there's, and this is a natural challenge for, for anyone in the role is of your, you are, you don't have a budget. You don't have a, a team that or direct reports. You may have an executive assistant that reports to you, but you don't, it's in terms of the totality of the business, you, you, the only leverage you have is the proximity that you have to the executive and the trust, hopefully that exists between you two. And so with proxy, we're a third party. Um, we have a team behind us or you know, between, behind each chief of staff. Um, and, and we can, we grow with the business. So like, if you think of a traditional, um, chief of staff who doesn't have a team as the business grows, that one individual's, um, capabilities become more and more stressed, like stressed. And so, um, and there's tools out there and there are ways to address that. But what's cool with proxy is, um, it's built in so we can scale with the business. And so that's just really exciting um, to offer the value of the chief of staff role to the, to these small to medium sized businesses. Um, and we're already seeing immediate value. The one, the one other thing I didn't mention is, you know, I'm helping one executive navigate succession planning with a family business. Talk about sticky, you know, uh, the father, you know, wants to hand off the business to the son but uh, there, there are some dynamics in there that are just tricky to navigate. And so I get the opportunity to like work with, with the son in uh, getting him ready kind of for those conversations and that process. And so it's just an, honestly, the role is so rewarding because the exposure you get is, is just otherworldly, um, you know? And so um, I really feel like this is the, this is, the chief of staff role was made for me, you know, mm-hmm. and, or I was made for the chief of staff role. That's probably a better <laughs> way to say it. And uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's challenging, but it's, it's equally or more rewarding. So mm-hmm. I'm probably getting us off track, but. You're great. No, that's all good. Um, so when you think about the chief of staff role, not necessarily specifically to any organization or approach, but just in a more broad sense, what would you say, just from your perspective and experience, is the main purpose of a chief of staff role? And then um, what are some of those facets and skills required to know that it's a good fit? I don't want to sound reductionistic um, because the chief of staff role is so robust um, and multifaceted that it's hard to to truncate it down into one pithy statement. But Brian Rumau, who's the chief of staff at LinkedIn, I love his definition that I heard him say once. He says, the purpose of the chief of staff role is to make, is to enable your executive and the senior leadership team work as efficiently and effectively as possible. So notice the two 
the two um, objects of of or the two core areas of focus is the executive and the leadership team. So those are the kind of two primary um, orientations that you have. And then the third orientation is the larger organization. But they, where the organization goes and its effectiveness is direct directly hinges on the efficiency and effectiveness of the executive, the CEO, or whoever, and their team, right? Um, as far as efficiency and effectiveness, those, if those are the two kind of um, metrics that you, that a chief of staff can evaluate themselves on, efficiency has to do with, or excuse me, effectiveness has to do with doing the right things. Um, so these are activities that are core to your company succeeding or achieving its goals. But it's not just doing the right things, it's doing the right things the right way or with as little energy as possible. Um, and so in terms of what that looks like on a day in day out basis, um, I think in, is in the connection to the skills that are needed, you chiefs of staff have to be like crazy organized um, because you're in so many meetings, you're having to context switch so often um, that if you don't have a way to sort like what's actionable versus what's like commentary or just good information to have, um, then you're going to be lost uh, without a paddle. <laughs> and so organization is huge. And I mean, every business professional needs to be organized, but because you're not, you don't have one primary lane you're running in, in terms of business function, like focus on business function, you're not in finance, you're not an op in operations exclusively, you're not in HR or marketing, you're in all of them. And so you just have to have a way to stay organized, but also connected to that is knowing what's most important. And this is directly connected to, so by that, I mean, ruthless prioritization. So like near perfect organization, and then the ability to know it, what's most important so that you can, you're constantly redirecting both your executives focus and energy and the team, senior leadership teams folks and energy towards the most valuable activities, but you're also enabling the executive and the team to execute those most valuable activities with as little energy as possible. So what that means is that you need to probably um, have experience or have the capability of designing and, and implementing effective communication structures. So um, that was one issue that I encountered that I encounter both at Richmond and, and with Proxy, um, with smaller organizations, um, it's weird. You would think just because it's smaller, communication is better because there's just not many people you know that you need to work work with. But and and so naturally, if the larger the organization, you would think, well, the larger it is, the more complicated or complex communication gets, which is certainly true. Um, I think there's complexity in both. Um, I think there's the reality of politics and organizations exist at both levels. And so I think um, in smaller organizations, words like news travels faster than in large organizations, right? And so as a chief of staff, you have to, you have, to have really high um, emotional intelligence. And by that, I mean, because you're interacting with your executive and the senior leadership team across all the various functions of the business, 
they everyone has their sacred cows. Everyone has their the things that feel like are the most important thing for them. And so you have to be able to, because your primary loyalties or your primary orientation is the executive, you have to have the ability to help each of the leaders of the various business functions stay on track to what's most important in terms of what your, your CEO feels like is most important in a way that's not heavy handed. Um, one of the challenges that I had early on in, in, as a chief of staff was using my role, my title as like uh, a weapon. <laughs> and, and that is like the most antithetical thing a chief of staff can do. Um, common for senior leaders to use their, their titles is like, you know, that set, I said it, that says that settles it kind of a mentality, but chiefs of staff, I've heard it said that, that you're more staff than chief. If anything, you, you have more than any other senior role, because you are a part of the senior team. So you have a senior role, but more than any other role, um, there's not a lot of room for ego for a chief of staff um, mm -hmm. or an inflated ego. Um, you get, everyone has an ego and that's not necessarily the issue. It's whether you have an accurate view of yourself, right? It is mm -hmm. more the, the important issue. Um, but, but yeah, prioritization, near perfect organization, um, communication skills, um, communicating, designing structures for efficient and effective communication is important. Project management is a given. I mean, you need to be able to, if your executives like, you know, or you, or you hear about an issue in another area and you're like, you know what, this is a little bit more nuanced and complex than, you know, David Allen, if you can do it in two minutes, go ahead and do it. If you know, if it's beyond two minutes, you know, maybe a project. So just being able to know like deliverables, you know, being able to structure mm -hmm. projects, delegation is important. Um, Oh uh, gosh, there's so many. I mean, really, if you think about all the functions of the business, I mean, you really have to ha know how to do about every little, all about everything um, mm -hmm. in some way. So it's more of like you're an inch deep, but a mile wide and about everything. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, let's just say you're a chief of staff and your background is in HR, but but you're 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 having you may be really good with the people stuff which is great. It's a huge aspect of the role, but maybe you don't have as high a financial IQ or, you know, but you're getting reports, you know, you're getting, you know, you're prepping a board meeting for your executive and they're the one, you know, you got to be able to spot discrepancies on a P and L, you know, you, you, you have to be able to, to, to see what the most effective or most valuable activities are for each area and be able to hold them accountable to the, to delivering on, you know, those, those activities. And so um, I hope I'm not confusing our listeners as I'm talking about the role. I think it's, again, you kind of have to be good at a lot of different things, but if I go back to my original definition, I think being able to help keep your executive and the team aligned to what's most important um, and being able to execute on that with great efficiency is, is probably the most important aspect of the role. And so, yeah. That's great. Um, I think my, the favorite 
thing that you said that resonated with me was it's more staff than chief. (laughs) And I think that that is just a great phrase to keep in mind. I think, uh, and it's something I've never really thought about that much, but just the title, it kind of has this, um, I don't know, this underlying sort of expectation that comes with it. Um, I think because it's a still a new and upcoming role that is not, it's becoming more common, but it's, it's still, I think, considered a little bit new, um, separate from, you know, certain, certain fields and areas, but just in the business world. Um, and so when, and it's something that I, I sort of tend to do the opposite when someone asks me what I do, I don't, I don't like using my title because I think it's a little bit ambiguous sometimes. And I always have to follow it up with an explanation of what that means. And so um, I tend to downplay it more and not want to say the title. Um, And if my husband's with me, he says it for me. (laughs) He's like, no, she's the chief of staff. (laughs) And I'm like, well, let me explain. So I kind of like the more staff than chief. Um, explanation because I I do think it's important and I think that 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 focus on you know the executive the leadership team and and keeping them aligned um, and another way I've heard it described and um, read about is leading from behind and so you're definitely there you're involved like you said in all the different aspects but it's sort of in a behind the scenes type of way where you're enabling and kind of lifting others up to be at their very best and it takes a lot and you you have to be aware of a lot and be able to assimilate all of that information and and context and the context switching like you talked about um so yeah I think that was that's a really great way to describe all of the different needs um And I think, like we said earlier, being able to bring different backgrounds and different personalities into that is definitely possible. But there are those skills and skill sets that are going to predict better success in the role if those are if those are there. Um, Can I I make a comment? Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think you said lifting others. I think that's so key because. You know, servant leadership is a skill you know, right? And, and that if any leader in the organization should embody this the most, the chief of staff should. Um, because if you're the executive, yeah, I mean, you, you need to be a servant leader. Um, but let's be honest, uh, people are, though that's what the, the team you're leading and supporting needs from you to be, you know, you need to be lifting others. You're also the pioneer. You're the one out in front calling your organization into the future that you're, you know, painting for them. And so it's, 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 I think a lot of leaders want chiefs of staff because they know they can't be everything. And so for a leader to recognize that is huge to know that, like, um, I think Andy, you even share with me, you know, uh, what's your CEO's name? Cade. Cade. Yeah. I remember you shared with me, you know, for you, Cade knew that like culture, you don't have to include this in the podcast, but I, I'm helping put my thoughts together. Cade knew culture was important, but he, he didn't have the skills or, the, or the, the bandwidth to like address. So 
he hired you to be the primary point person for filling out that space. So I think for leaders, um, when it comes to like, you know, assessing whether they need the role or not, I would say if you can afford the role, you need it. Like just go ahead and, and get yourself a chief of staff. Um, because the truth is you want your business to grow. You want to be a healthy and authentic leader. Like I think most leaders, even the ones that are, you know, toxic or bad, probably when they first started, they had healthy aspirations. And so your chief of staff can help unearth and unlock the best version of you. Um, and that manif that process of doing that um, is messy, but it's worth it because your organizations are too important for you to lead blindly. And I think the chief of staff, another skill that I, that I need, want to mention is the ability to be the honest truth broker to the, your executive primarily, but also you know, being able to tell the truth and name dysfunction as you see it with the team. Um, and that was something I've always struggled with. Um, and, and some of that has to do with just my background and, and personal history. Um, being able to tell the truth um, is really important. Um, and I made, made a comment about ego, you know, chief staff needs to be the one leader in the C-suite who doesn't have an inflated ego. And let's be honest, and this will actually be the topic of, of uh, to the chief of staff and leadership team part two for the round table, chief of staff round table, which I'll just plug it. Um, if you're yeah. interested in the chief of staff role, if you're a current chief of staff um, and you just want a community um, that can offer some support um, and just collective thought leadership about the role, uh, the Chief Staff Roundtable is is the place to be. Um, we host monthly calls on Zoom, uh, but we have people on the call from all over the world, um, from various backgrounds. But we all the one thing we have in common is we believe in the role, um, and we really want to provide definitive answers to to the role. Um, so anyway, that's my plug for the roundtable. But ego, managing your own ego as Chief Staff is huge, and I think if you cannot tell the truth, there's there's something going on. Um, with it's not just a personality thing. I think we all like we tell the truth to somebody, whether it's our significant other or our best friend. Um, that's one thing, and it's good to have those relationships or to have feel safe in those. But if you cannot tell the truth to your executive and to the senior leadership team, you do not need to be a chief of staff um, mm -hmm. because there's a good chance that they're not getting the truth from people in their organization due to competing interests or agendas, you know. And so to have someone that can say like, hey, you're not wearing any pants today because you, when you, you know, like, you know, like the, the, the terminology, you know, the emperor, the emperor, what is it? What's this phrase? I, anyway, emperor you get the point. with no clothes or whatever. Yeah, like, you're, like <laughs> yeah. how many times have we seen our executive in a team, in a leadership meeting or giving a speech or, or an interaction where you're like, why in the world did you handle yourself that way? And they don't know that, you know, they did something that was, you know, unhealthy or, or not who they want to be. And so being able to, it's not that you're, you're not a nagging, you're not nagging, you're not, you know, a cynic, but like you need to be able to tell the truth when it matters most. And, mm -hmm. and again, to do that, you need trust with your executive and that takes time, but that's crucial for the role to be successful. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of going on and on.
That's a great point. Um, and it's come up before on the podcast with other other people because it is so valuable. And I think it's, um, you know, important to point out. I remember whenever Kate and I were first having having our first conversation about me even considering taking this position, he said, you would need to be tough and tender. And he used those two words. And I really hadn't thought about it again until my evaluation about a year ago. And he brought it back up um, and talked about the importance of being tough and tender. And the toughness is really for him that I will be willing to push back on him. And like you said, just be direct and be honest because there's just not people who will do that. Um, and I know it's something that he values and I, it's not something I enjoy about my role because it's not something that comes really naturally to me. Um, but the result is always rewarding because when I have to say hard things to, to anyone, whether it's to him or to, a, you know, someone on the team, um, it's always appreciated. It's always, um, you know, I always get thanked for it. Um, and I think it's that clarity and, and it expresses care. It expresses that you care about someone if you're willing to tell them the truth. Um, and people really want that. As hard as it is to hear sometimes, people want it and they need it. And leaders are the foremost of that of that group of just needing that um, from someone that they know they can trust to tell them the truth. Um, so I, I'm anxious to get to this this last question. Um, you've talked quite a bit about how you know this role is very focused on the organization and what the organization needs on the principal or the executive and and what they need. Um, so how do you prioritize your own? needs getting met, your own, um, you know, just personal development and um, just overall health. How do you, how do you prioritize that? It's challenging um, because you're, you're constantly emptying yourself, right, for the good of your executive and team. Um, and you don't have a team like behind you that can like, and you can talk to internally usually. Um, and so you have to hold a lot. Um, and if you don't have healthy outlets that, that help give you the resources you need to thrive, then you're not going to last long. But if, even if you do last long, you're not going to be, you're not going to be okay. And, and for me, I, I haven't nailed this, honestly, it's, um, it's something I'm always working on. I will say, you know, if you're a parent, it's especially hard because not only are you emptying at work, you're emptying at home. And so um, it's even more important. Uh, but I think recently, well, let me say this. I've been most effective as a chief of staff when I've taken the best care of myself. Um, and when I've been able to do that, and thankfully I'm in a season now where I'm actually, I have some good rhythms in place. Um it's nothing uh, too earth shattering. I think it's the simple things. Do you move? Do you move? Like, and what I mean by that is, you know, exercise. But I think, it, do you have, 
do you have a, do you work out? I, I don't even like saying that. It's just like, well, no, I don't, I don't do X, Y, and Z this many days a week. For me, what I do, I wake up in the morning and I just go run a block in my neighborhood. That's it. I don't run three miles. I don't run. I get do something to get my blood flowing, um, to get my energy levels up. Um, I eat a good breakfast. Um, you know, uh, I try not to, um, to uh, what's it? I don't eat to cope. That's important. <laughs> uh, it's easy to do uh, with Chick-fil-A just right down the road, right? Um, but I think nutrition is important. New movement is important. Mental health is important. My wife is a therapist and I'm so blessed for that. Um, but, but prioritizing your mental health is huge. So like if you're a chief of staff and you don't feel like you have people to talk to about the stressors in your role, one, you need to be really careful who you do talk to outside your organization, inside and outside, right? Um, because you you have really sensitive information. So what I would say, um, and it's kind of taboo, is you probably need to be in therapy. <laughs> I mean, you you need you need a safe, confidential space where you can process not just what's hard about the job, but the impact of the job and its difficulties on your personal life. Um, and so again, you don't have to have a big problem. You know, you don't have to, you know, have a major mental health disorder to see a therapist. Um, and so I would have that outlet. And chances are your chief of staff, you make a decent salary so you can afford it. So like, don't don't play the game of like, you know, you could probably cut back, you know, your Netflix subscription or whatever to, to afford maybe at one counseling session that quarter. But I think prioritizing your mental health is huge. Um, so movement, nutrition is important. Um, as far as uh, what keeps me learning, I love to read. Um, it's actually, there's a trifecta to, to like the things that like give me that my development is I have to be reading, have to be listening to music and I have to be drinking like coffee, uh, like preferably in the morning. That's like the, the best time, like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. Um, and yeah, you just have to make time to care for yourself because if you don't make time, you will not do it. Um, and you know, this may sound, this is the tough versus tender, right? This may sound tough, but like you have time, like, even if, even if it's 15 minutes before you check your email, 10 minutes before you check your email or, you know, Slack, or you start X, Y, and Z, if you just want to take 10 minutes to breathe and to, you know, if you're religious, spiritual, pray, you know, just something that can pull you out of the demands of the present that can give you perspective on what's most important, I think is like crucial um, because otherwise you'll be running around with the chicken, like with your head cut off <laughs> and <laughs> your executive and the team and your family and your friends don't deserve a chief of staff or to not be for you not to be grounded and taking care of yourself. Um, they don't deserve fumes and you don't deserve fumes. Like there's more to life and, and this there's more to life than your role. I mean, it, you make you feel like you're an indispensable part of the organization. You are, but there's more to life than what you do as a chief of staff. And so just carving out time to do things that bring you life. Um, for me, it's I, I'm a simple guy. So it's a walk around our neighborhood with my wife and daughter. 
do that every day is like the perfect way to end the day for me. Um, and so I could go on and on, but th those are just some ways that I prioritize personal development. Um, and so, yeah. That's great. Okay. I said that was the last question, but I have to ask, what is the maybe number one way that you apply your musical background or that it makes you a better chief of staff? Well, I can't have to answer that in two ways. So there's the music side, but I mentioned earlier that I originally went to school to be a pastor professor, <laughs> theological professor. I think those two, the music piece, any, any art consumption, whether it's music, art, you know, what have you, um, is imagination expanding. Um, I think there's even been studies done that music actually does that. It expands your, your, um, your, your worldview in a way. So, and then my background in, in the ministry, I think, though I've chosen to go a non-ministerial route professionally, I think what I learned to do is to see people. Um, and I think, so having an imagination plus the ability to really see people, I think are, I think have really helped me do the role well, because at the end of the day, it's all about people. Like you're dealing with real human beings, you know, yeah, they have a flashy title and they make a lot of money and, you know, they have a lot of power, but you know what? They go home just like you do. They eat just like you do. They have, you know, the same stresses and challenges just like you do. And so I think being able to hold that as you're being tough and tender, I think is so important. Um, and so that's a roundabout way of answering the music. It's not, it doesn't play like a, like a, um, it's not like a make or break thing, but I think my background in music, again, um, helps me. I'm more, to use a musical term, attuned. I, I feel like I'm very, I'm very attuned to the environments that I'm in. And I think that's a really important aspect of the role. Um, mm -hmm. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, well, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been great. And I appreciate you taking the time just to share your insights and your passion for this role and what it means to the organizations that um, that buy into, you know, having this role there and to care for their people and, and their leaders. So is there any any last words you want to add, words of wisdom you want to share with us? Words of wisdom. Hopefully I've shared some some coherent words of wisdom for on this episode, but uh, I would say um, if you're interested in the role, um, check your motives um, because it, at the end of the day, if you want to be a chief of staff, it's not about you. Um, it's about the executive you're, you're enabling and the team and the larger team. And so, and again, another plug uh, for the round table if you want, if you, if you're new to the role, you're, if you're interested and you want, you need to find a community that can support you as you navigate it. And, and the round table is that place. Um, and, and there's a lot more potential to extract from the round table and, and I'll have some exciting things. Some exciting things are coming down the pipe um, that'll really make it even more special for the chief of staff community. But the last thing I'll say is if you are in the role, be kind to yourself. Um, Oftentimes, most people in the role are pretty high achieving people and we can be the hard, our harshest critics. And so giving yourself grace, you know, if you just start in the role to figure it out, 
you know, give your, you don't need to nail it day one. Um, most jobs take six months to even for you to even start to find like a rhythm or stride. Um, so just give yourself grace to figure it out and um, get, find yourself a community that can help support you and give you the resources and tools that you need to succeed. So, so yeah, it's been a, it's been an honor to be on the primitive podcast. And um, if folks want to learn more about chief, chief of staff role, you know, you, they're welcome to, to DM me on LinkedIn or, or I would give myself a number, but that doesn't seem appropriate, but I'm happy to serve the community in any way I can. Um, for anyone who's interested or is currently involved. So it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate you.